In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk with Steve Patton about the elders' plans for 2022. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Greel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson on a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How you doing, Steve? Doing good, Kenny. Glad to be on here today. Josh, who's usually doing this with me, is out of town. He's in Dallas. The elders were, were communicating their vision for 2022 this year. We thought it would be a good idea for you to debrief us on all that. According to what you all said, you have four different goals. I'll reiterate them quickly. To rebuild relationships and bring us closer together. To encourage in-person attendance at services. To strengthen every member in their faith and involvement in the local work. And to remind us who we are a distinct people reaching out to bring the lost world to Christ and his way. How did you guys come up with those? Looking back at what we see has happened over the last couple of years, about things that we think we have missed, that uh, by the isolation we've been through, the challenge we've had because of the pandemic, there are things we've seen that maybe have weakened that need to be strengthened again, or even just to remind us all of these fundamentals that we need in order to be the strong body that a local congregation was meant to be and right. to be the power for good that God wants it to be. What needs to be restored? Basically, what we're saying in these first points is that uh, to a great extent, what is involved is a return or a recognizing of the need of strengthening relationships. Okay. Because I believe that is what has been strained to a great extent during this time of isolation and separation. And it still continues because there are still many who are st still not comfortable in getting back into a congregational setting uh, or in a very limited way. And so the rebuilding of the relationship, I think, is what's basic to all of these that we're talking about here, that we need to rebuild that during times when you're isolated, when you're on your own, not having the kind of contact, not being in worship as you normally would with others, often faith does weaken. We need that encouragement of being together and being with one another, and our faith can weaken in, in being isolated. And so a reminder of that also, of those kinds of things. These are the things that we become concerned about and we've seen in people— weakening, even as we started back, and the, even among those who feel comfortable coming, are maybe not as faithful in attendance as they had been. Have we gained anything during this time? Well, yeah, I think we have. I hope we have. I hope there's been a recognition of uh, certain needs that are part of the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. I, I hope we've, out of this, maybe first of all, recognized the frailty of our own lives. Mm -hmm. Our lives can be interrupted. In a pandemic, there have been so many people who have lost loved ones in a way they never thought they would. And people that they have family members, particularly elderly, and we know how the elderly have been affected mm -hmm. by that. Hopefully, we've seen the frailty of a lot of things that we depend upon. I, I think we've seen the frailty of our own economy and that we better not depend upon riches and those kinds of things because jobs can be gone in a heartbeat because of things like that. It's affected our whole culture and mm -hmm. how we view it. The important hope we've come to realize the importance of having strong marriages, mm -hmm. marriage counselors. 
will tell you that when the pandemic and the quarantine started, marital problems and and couples with marriage problems went through the roof. I think partly because they were having to spend all day and all night with each other and learning things about themselves. The, The frailty of that, the frailty of family ties, those kind of things I hope we've come to realize. And therefore, the necessity that our faith and our trust is in our God who will carry us through any of these things. So I think in some ways, hopefully, COVID has made us recognize these kinds of frailties and our greater need for God and for one another. Do you think it strengthened us in any way? Again, I hope it has. (laughs) How so, you think? I hope people have realized how great their need is for God in their daily life. Mm -hmm. We become discouraged. We face trials. We lose jobs. We have trouble in family. We lose loved ones and friends, our faith and trust must always be in God to carry us through trials. And the scriptures plainly talk about that trials should strengthen our faith. Yeah. And if we are trusting God, that's exactly what it should do. We are Mm -hmm. made better by trial. If our trust is fully in God and in seeking to serve him. So, I hope that is something that has been a positive for many, that they've come to that recognition of their dependence upon him, and they've let the trial strengthen them, not weaken them, and that we're made better by that. Yeah. What relationships do you think need to be rebuilt? Because that's one of the goals that you all have. Uh, Do you think we've gained relationships as well? Yeah, yeah, we have. But first of all, to say what relationships need to be built, we're talking in the context of the local congregation. I really think one of the most important relationships to rebuild is with members who either are weaker and maybe struggling as a result of this, or if I know my faith is struggling, to build relationships with those who are stronger and want to reach out and to rebuild those kinds of relationships. That's what breaks down in times like this. We will often certainly stay strong in relationships we're already strong in, our best friends, our closest friends. That stays the same. But we begin to lose that contact with some who are maybe more on the fringe or weaker. And that's such an important relationship to rebuild. Now, I I think one of the things we've gained in in having groups meet through through some of this time and and some almost for all of the time is for us to understand the value of closeness of relationships. Mm-hmm. But again, I would urge those groups to recognize the importance of reaching beyond those who they've always been close to, those who are their best friends, that they recognize the importance of including those and making personal, concerted effort to reach out to establish or to rebuild relationships with those who maybe need that the most to do that. But the blessing of groups we've seen, and as we're trying to encourage that more now, we're Mm -hmm. introducing that into Sunday evenings, and we're seeing uh, really positive results from that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think one of the things that happens is the, the, the larger group gets, the more isolated people become. We, we've talked before about, uh, in other contexts, about something called the Dunbar number, 
where the, the the larger group is it's it becomes impossible to know everybody that's there and there's not a realistic expectation that you can know everybody very well that's a, in a group of 450 but one of the things that happens is you, you start figuring out a group of that and and I, I think that's one of the things that I love about meeting in smaller groups on on Sunday nights I I must admit, during COVID, I have learned more people than I did before, and largely because I got to know their individual struggles. So I, there's been something, I understand what you're saying, that, that they're, especially with people who are not very active, it's easy to fall away. But I, I have so appreciated being able to find out about the struggle of somebody who's having a problem and just sending an email. That's been easy. And I didn't know about some of these problems. I see that as one of the blessings of COVID. In some ways, it has fractured us. And in some ways, it's brought us even closer together. So, I mean, that's something that, that's, that I'm very edified by, I think. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. Something Harold Comer taught me a long time ago about him bringing people to the Lord and them mm-hmm. being a new Christian in the congregation. He said, it's very important that they build a relationship with 25 to 35 people. Yeah. And if they can do that, then the, the likelihood of them staying is exponentially higher. Mm-hmm. And small groups is a great way to do that. Yeah. When one is first converted, they're excited, they're on fire. Uh, that's the time to get them tied in and reach out to them and get them tied in. No, they will never know. Everybody in the congregation, right. that's an impossibility. And groups are a way to work around mm-hmm. that, as you say, the Dunbar number that we've talked yeah. that you've talked about before. Whatever way that's done, if it's done one on one and reaching out and going to going to get coffee with someone or yeah. inviting them over the house for dessert one night, whatever you're doing at whatever level, they must get tied in. Right. And say groups creates a, a, a great opportunity to do that. You said that we need to encourage in-person attendance at services. Could not agree more. What do we gain from in-person services that, that we don't get through virtual services? I think there's a recognition of a, of a kin fellow Christians that we come together and we can look around and know that there is this group of people who share my faith. Mm-hmm. To me, that's one of the great blessings of our group. I can walk in on a Sunday morning, and I can see 400 people who are there for the same reason I am, Mm -hmm. that they are there uh, to honor God. And I've come out of a world that's uh, a daily world that's full of wickedness and ungodliness, worldliness of people who have no use for the Lord, and I can come there and say, I'm not alone. Look at this. Look at all these people. So I think there's a kinship that has failed. The Lord had us meet to assemble as a group for a reason. And in that, we, in sharing in our worship together, sharing in our worship of the same God, it edifies, it builds up. The New Testament church spent time together daily. (laughs) And in the beginning, in the temple, in great numbers, and later in, in homes and all those kinds of things. But there is that, that sharing together that I think is a tremendous benefit from being there. When people see assembling to worship is just a duty, they miss the whole point of the value of assembling, as the Lord taught us. They miss the value 
that comes from enjoying being with all those and experiencing that, of raising our voices together in praise and uh, remembering our Lord together in the Lord's Supper and those kinds of things. That's to me, is some of the greatest benefit from it. See if you agree with this as well, because I think one of the things that happened, Jesus, like you said, basically traveled around with disciples and his apostles. And some of the things that you read about in the New Testament are how many fights they got into and how many conflicts they had and how they bickered with one another. And they, they argued about such important things as who's impor- more important, me or you. And I think one of the things that I would say about that is just because there's conflict doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I would say about all of those arguments, all that bickering, they got up in each other's business. And by getting up in each other's business, they knew, they knew each other really well. I think one of the things that that I worry about when it's just virtual everything, and I'm an advocate of virtual things. I've been an advocate of doing online things for decades now. But one of the things that I know is in online settings, you tend to put your best foot forward. And I think that's reasonable, and I think that's to be expected. But when you get to be warts and all in a building with people that are having problems, it becomes easier to share your own problems. I think that's important. I think it's easier to figure out what's not going well when you're in a building where everybody can see what's going on. I think that there's a real value to that to me. You understand what I'm saying, Steve? Yeah, I do. I do get what you're saying. There are, uh, there are things that people do in a corporate setting that Don't encourage that. How you doing, Kenny? Oh, we're great. We're doing fine. It's kind of like when the preacher goes into the hospital to to visit a member. It's the preacher visiting. How you doing? Oh, doing fine. My faith's strong. Doing good. (laughs) So thankful I'm I'm in the Lord. And the truth is they are struggling mightily with their illness usually. But we put up this front, and we need to avoid doing that. But in in the congregational setting, I tell you, the more you talk with someone, the more you hopefully begin to read them. And I, I don't care what anyone says, that the level of their participation in, in public worship, attendance, just their attitude in worship, reflects problems that we should see. People often say, oh, your concern is about people being at church on Sunday. That's how you measure success of a congregation. I hope that's not true. But missing and not being there usually is an indication of a problem. And we want to, we as elders try to stay on top of that. We are constantly checking the attendance to see who's starting to miss regularly and those kinds of things. It's not that hard to read when somebody, not everybody, but some of the people are struggling, having problems. We need to be honest when we are in those settings. And even the elders need to be honest in addressing, all right, here's something we're seeing happen in here, brethren. We need to not let this happen. We need to deal with this. Those kind of things. I remember, I don't remember who preached it, but but it's a sermon that meant a lot to me. And the, the title of the sermon was basically the entirety of the sermon, which was, the title of the sermon was, how to forsake the assembly and not miss a Sunday service. And (laughs) his argument was, it's awfully easy to make sure you've gotten in your car, you've gotten all the kids to services, but it's just as easy to basically get there and check out. There's a level of participation. And I guess one of the things that I would say is, we all grow into our faith. 
if you're not there yet, that's fine. It, it reminds me a lot of marriage. Steve, when I got married, I knew practically nothing about marriage. I've learned a lot more, but only because I've been a participant. You can take all the marriage classes you want to, but unless and until you're fighting about what goes, how things go in the dishwasher or when you're supposed to wash something and do you separate out the colors or not, boy, I tell you what, you don't really understand marriage until you've had those conversations. That's exactly right. And But what we must remember is that we are having those differences in a uh, humble way. We're dealing with each other honestly, but humbly, mm-hmm. and with honest concern and love. Yeah. That's how we deal with those differences. And a lot of times, the problems in the congregation is because people aren't doing that. Yeah, I understand that. One of the things you said is that the fourth goal that you all had is we need to strengthen every member in their faith and in involvement in the local work. What strengthening do you think the members need at this point? Again, in the context of goal setting for the year, it is a a rebuilding of relationships. That's very important of what we're trying to do. Strengthening those who are weak, encouraging those who are strong to help those who are weak. And as, as a shepherd, we try to pay attention to what patterns are in a congregation Mm -hmm. and in seeing that and try to address them. And I think patterns we've seen right now have to do with people falling off in attendance. I really think that could be there. I'm not, I'm not accusing those who are still very challenged about being there because of health situations or those kinds mm-hmm. of things. But those who are not there that could be there. I, I think this has happened with some. And that is the live stream has become to them a default sometimes or an easy mm-hmm. fallback. Got a headache tonight. Let's just laugh. If the live stream hadn't been there, they'd been at services. Mm-hmm. It's an easy fallback. That's not an attitude, I think, to have. And we need to encourage people to be there, to have these benefits of the things we do together. Every member needs the kind of instruction that they get from mature, experienced teachers. And that's the whole point of the Bible classes at church, is that here is the opportunity to sit at feet at the feet of those who are more experienced, mature in the Word of God, so that my faith might be strengthened. Missing out on that is just not good. We need to do all these things that we had as goals. We need to encourage. We need to be strengthened. The reason for our theme this year, one of the fundamental reasons for our theme and being a remnant, is that we need to be reminded that in this world, we are going to be an isolated group. We are going to be people who are in the minority, a very small minority. And that in because that is true, we need each other more than ever. And if we lose that sense of being a remnant, then we drift in to the culture and the ways of the world, wanting to be more accepted by it rather than accepting that we are not going to be like the world. We are going to be different. We are going to be belittled. Those kind of things are going to happen. Therefore, identifying or accepting that we are a remnant is fundamental to our being successful in our faith and as a local congregation. 
Now, I'm not saying we're talking about isolating ourselves into some little sect of some kind in an isolated community. We are in the world, but not of the world. And we have to get that. We can't be salt and light if we're not out there among the people. But when we are there, we cannot forget that we're not like everybody else. And we never will be. And let our witness of our life speak to who we are, that Christ might be seen in us, but that we will not compromise our faith. We need to be reminded of those things. And we need to be strengthened in that basic understanding that we might be able to live our daily lives as we are. What are the cultural influences that worry you the most? Media has always been a tremendous cultural influence in leading us into more worldly views, being more accepting of our culture. It's always been that way. My dad was a preacher. Mm-hmm. He began preaching back in the 30s. Yeah. And in the 50s and 60s, the church went through a challenging time where there were some major differences about the church and its work and how things uh, went. And I remember talking to him and my uncle, who also preached after that, and they were talking about worldliness in the church. And, and they said, the main problem that's always been in the church is worldliness. That's always been the greatest challenge. It was before all that happened, and it's true after all that has happened. And whatever challenges the congregation may face doctrinally, and those need to be dealt with, the greatest challenge is always just allowing ourselves to become like the world and dabbling in in worldliness and giving in to the pressure of saying, maybe just this once, just so I'll fit in a little better. Those kinds of attitudes, I think uh, we've got to stay away from. So I think just worldliness in in all its forms remains the greatest challenge to God's people, that we must recognize we are different people. We're going to be separate in many ways, except that, and try to uh, teach the world that being different is better. A lot of Christianity is basically centers around this idea of being reminded of something. What do you think we forget? Peter in Second Peter twice talks about reminding the brethren. And the first time he says it there in in Second Peter one. He's talking about the fundamentals of remembering who the Lord is. And he says, and we were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. Don't forget this. Don't forget these fundamental things. The second time he says it in, in chapter 3, he's, he's stirring up their remembrance to the words of the prophets, he says, to the word itself. We need to be reminded always of these fundamental things. And then everything else comes out of that, out of our faith in Christ and our trust in his word and all of that. And the, the different manifestations of needs do vary then from a practical standpoint. And again, that goes back to our thing. We think one of the things we need to do now is in strengthening our faith and our bond to one another, we in that recognize we need each other. We must be bonded together. We are to be a close family, and uh, that family is going to be different from the world, and we need to be reminded of that. 
What's your prayer for 2022 then? It's unchanged. I don't know that my prayer would be any different. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament uh, is Paul's prayer in Philippians chapter 1. His prayer for those brethren that he loved so much there. Let me read it. It says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He wants their love to abound and abound in all these ways. He he says he wants it to abound with knowledge and the ability to discern fundamental so that we can make the right choices, approve what is excellent that will lead to a pure and blameless life. And that in that, the fruit of righteousness is seen in our life abundantly. Everything is built upon that, those fundamental things. And it is expressed in 2022, I think, uh, in the same ways it always has been. It has to be recognized, uh, recognizing the identity of who we are, recognizing the grace that has been extended to us, of our need to grow in the Lord, and of our need to share that word with the world. It's January 2023 now. You've gotten everything you asked for. What does it look like? Well, what would look different for me is to see a manifestation of a greater love for one another. To see weaker members strong with strong relationships with others in the congregation. To see a membership that loves this congregation and wants to share our love with others. A congregation that is happy and feels mm-hmm. good about itself. If a congregation is, is not happy with itself, it's not getting along, they're not going to invite other people to come. And that maturity that manifests in the love for each other, the commitment to one another, the full and complete commitment to whatever the Word says, no matter what changes it requires in my life, to see a membership that is committed to that and a membership that wants to be together, both in assembling together as a congregation and on a daily, weekly basis with other members, in groups, to see all of that happening, that will change, that will transform a local congregation. I appreciate you doing this. Next week, Josh will be back and we'll talk about this, but God bless you in this and good luck for this next year, Steve. I appreciate it and appreciate this opportunity so much. I really do. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org, including the sermon that we discuss in this episode. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.